Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Tell your story. Author, psychologist, musician. Listen to Dr. Karen to encourage your life. I'm all about taking charge, taking charge of your thoughts, taking charge of your life. I say it every week and how sometimes when we have intense emotions, we can get caught ruminating and obsessing. And we've looked at the research and how that actually doesn't help us at all. In fact, it keeps us stuck and it keeps us depressed rather than helping move us forward. Single is the new black. Don't wear white till it's right. Very important. Very important. What are they doing to keep that excitement and that in love feeling? Channel a path to a more authentic you. Okay, this week, fight all you want, but whenever you fight, you have to hold hands. Learn how to have true intimacy. Yeah, bottle that up and sell it. (laughs) We want to make sure that the activities we're doing together are charging us up, getting us excited, giving us pleasurable feelings, and then helping us stay attracted to one another. Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Love and life. I'm all about living authentically and finding the best version of you and living life to its fullest. Turn up your dial. Get connected. You're listening to Dr. Karen on Love and Life right now. Welcome to Dr. Karen Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. On Love and Life, we cover it all. We look at how to have true intimacy in romantic relationships, more meaningful friendships, healthier family connections, more fulfilling careers, and we delve into what psych research teaches us about living happy, hopeful, positive, and authentic lives. So this is the second Love and Life episode that we're going to devote to parenting. On the first episode, which is called Be the Best Parent, Science Shows Us How, I get into the research by psychologist Diana Baumrind and talk about her parenting styles because that's just such a cornerstone of parenting research and developmental psych. And I think it's a great place to start for understanding parenting and what it's all about and how we can all do it better. So to get into a little bit more depth with parenting, I've invited Dr. Shannon Warden to the program. And let me tell you just a little bit about her. Dr. Warden is a faculty member in the Department of Counseling at Wake Forest University, where she teaches and supervises graduate-level counseling students. She also serves as Director of Counseling and Director of Women's Ministries at Triad Baptist Church in Kernersville, North Carolina. As a professional counselor, Shannon has counseled children, families, young adults, women, and couples since 1998, and has served as an assistant to New York Times best-selling author Dr. Gary Chapman since 2003. As an aside, love and life listeners know Dr. Chapman as the author of The Five Love Languages, which we've talked about on the program before. She and Dr. Chapman co-authored Things I Wish I'd Known Before We Became Parents. Shannon and her husband, Stephen, have been married for 19 years and have three children. Dr. Warden, welcome to Love and Life. Dr. Karen, I'm so glad to be here. (laughs) And you're going to call me Shannon from here on, okay? Perfect. And I'll be Karen from here on as well. (laughs) Cool. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and coming on. I'm glad to be here. It's one of my favorite topics. Great. Excellent. So, of course, the first natural question is, what motivated you to write things I'd wish I'd known before we became parents? So, you know, for all these years of counseling, one of the primary issues that I've worked with is parenting or parenting related. 
even now, although these are not necessarily counseling scenarios that I'm thinking of, I'm thinking just this week at Wake Forest, this, our, our freshmen have started this week. And uh, even though I teach in the graduate department, so many of us across campus have first year and sophomore advisees. And so just interacting with first year students, um, some of whom are dealing with homesickness and, and they and I are meeting, not necessarily even in that way, in, in an advising vein, but just for support. You know, what are we talking about? We're talking about their connection to their parent. So all these years counseling and, and now still in all of these different ways, otherwise, such as advising, one way or the other, I'm, I'm dealing with family, dealing with parenting. And so Dr. Chapman and I, Gary, he and I were talking about this a few years back. So he and I were talking and he said, you know, I wrote a, a book a few years back that was Things I Wish I'd Known Before We got married. And we just started kicking around the idea and said, you know what, this is the this is the next book, the next obvious book, right? So folks who maybe who would have read that book are now thinking, all right, we're, we're thinking about starting a family. And so we just, again, kind of a shared passion. He and I for so many years have, have heard so much and helped so many and ourselves, parents, uh, him now, you know, for several years, a grandparent. And so just a lot of passion, a lot of, um, I don't know, just different angles on family and parenting. And so we just started brainstorming and and little by little we had that book. And I can't imagine really something that's more important than parenting because it affects everyone, you know, you know, as a performer professor myself, those parenting skills or lack thereof affect that classroom. Mm -hmm. They affect people walking down the street, have to deal with someone's cruddy parenting if they've got this punk in front of them. So it's such an important (laughs) topic. You know, we're all affected by each other's parenting, like it or not. I have to laugh. You're using that word punk today. <laughs> I was, um, you know, driving. I feel like I'm always in the car, you know, anyway. So with the three of those those kiddos, but um, we're in the car and someone let us into traffic. And I said, all right, guys, let me just give them a little wave because that's what we do in North Carolina. <laughs> um, we give a little wave, right? right? Uh, as opposed to other gestures. Maybe sometimes that happens, but this was a wave. <laughs> so I said to my kids, I said, no, kids, you're going to kind of wave because you don't want to be a punk. <laughs> So I want to let you know about a new initiative we're starting on Love and Life. Each month, we'll highlight a charity or cause that we're concerned about, and all profits from the sales of my book, Single is the New Black, Don't Wear White Till It's Right, will go to this cause. And this month, we're focusing on Hurricane Harvey victims and the efforts to support them and help them rebuild their community in Houston. So profits for the month of September will go to Harvey victims. You're listening to Dr. Karen Anderson Abril on Love and Life. Go to her website, drkarin.me. That's www.drkarin.me. Have any questions or would like to share your story with Dr. Karen? Email her, karen, K A R I N, at drkarin.me. Well, I want to dig a little bit deeper into your book. And of course, there were a lot of great portions, but there are a couple of chapters that I really, really resonated with and thought certainly brought some great information to the conversation about parenting. One was children need boundaries. So let's start there. Um, What are you seeing with today's parents and kids? Because it's so interesting. I do think today's 
scene is different. It's interesting that the boundaries conversation, even boundaries is kind of a pop psych word that came to the surface. There was a book by Dr. Henry Cloud about, I don't know, probably 20 years ago now, maybe 25, called Boundaries. And it's interesting because I wonder, this notion of boundaries, did our great grandparents and grandparents, did they struggle with this? Or were things more understood? Was there more inherent structure to hierarchy within the home, for example? in days gone by. And of course, we weren't around then, so we don't fully know. But I'm just curious what you think about this topic. Obviously, you you devoted a chapter to it. So I'd just like you to share a little bit with uh, what inspired that chapter and what you think about this concern. Right. I think back from kind of a family systems background there with Mnuchin and just thinking of the hierarchy um, that is needed in families and boundaries. And so I watch my kids and they're all in their own stage learning, okay, how can I be in this world as a person? Now, here I'm interacting with um, mom and dad, with siblings. How can I learn to be with them? And so, again, kind of boundaries is interwoven into all of that. And so, Dr. Chapman and I, in writing this book, that was very important because we do see, as you were referencing, some changes societally, and yet they're still just an innate need. Children, you know, are watching us or needing to uh, pick up and understand social cues and, and needing to understand respect of others, where I stop, where other the other person begins. And, you know, they're not going to get that at four and at five, but they're going to get it incrementally over time. And so the more we can think about boundaries, healthy, respectful boundaries, the more we can see boundaries as a not a sprint, but a marathon, right? The more we can see that type of issue is really an ongoing developmental goal, the better for those kids in terms of their relational preparation for life. Hi, I'm Vicki Zarley, and I listen to Dr. Karen, Love and Life in Palmdale, California. Can you give listeners maybe another concrete example of what does a boundary look like? Right. So Carson at, at six, he will, you know, sometimes as, as siblings do, right, they're going to respond to each other and he will respond to um, Avery, for example. He'll say, I want, I want you to play with me. And Carson is persistent. That guy, he is going to be a mover and shaker. I feel certain he's persistent and he's he's extroverted. We can already tell that. And my Avery, right, 12 years old, he is introverted. He wants Avery time. So that, talk mm-hmm. about encroaching. That's Carson at times saying, hey, give me something. Mm-hmm. I want this. I want your time. Avery saying back, okay. I'm going to do this for you, but that's got to be enough. I'm going, and he, we literally use this phrase every time. <laughs> and so right there. And so we, we do try to monitor and uphold that. We say, Carson, look, he did. He played with you for 30 minutes, an hour, and now we've got to honor his space. So that is a little psychobabbly. So I, I probably am guilty of psychobabble with my kids a little <laughs> bit, but hopefully again, it's teaching them about interpersonal boundaries, about respect. <music> from Columbus, Ohio, and I enjoy listening to Dr. Karen Love and Life. I love the advice she gives and the encouragement. Every week, I look forward to a new Love and Life hack and her message of making it happen. I'm seeing a lot of young people today struggling with future. And I've got my niece and nephew are in their early 20s and just graduated from college. And there's 
they are such go-getters and they're such high achieving young kids. They're just the millennials that really give us faith in the next generation. And I'm so mm. proud of them and proud of my brother and sister-in-law for raising such fine young people. But what I do see sometimes their struggle is that they expect that they should have life worked out already at 22 and 23 and that they should not feel nervous. You know, they'll say, I had so much anxiety about this and that and the other. And I'm like, well, yeah, because it was your first day teaching and you've never been a teacher before. So of course thinking that's not anxiety. That's just, you're nervous. <laughs> I mean, I'm nervous every time I step into a party where I don't know anyone. I mean, this, so kind of helping young people understand that some of what they're feeling and maybe even pathologizing, and that may be our profession. It's kind of on us because we've pathologized a lot of states and experiences that I think are quite normal in the human experience. And so I worry that they are putting too much pressure on themselves a little bit and thinking, I shouldn't feel all these nerves when it's quite normal. <laughs> it would be a little odd if you didn't feel nervous in these contexts. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, just normalizing that and, um, right, so so thinking about the young person and trying to normalize what their experience, which again is really validating those feelings that they're real. And um, and then and then back to kind of the parent, can, can we as parents validate, um, can we encourage kids still have, they still have to live their lives. They have to have the experiences that are going to shape them. But um, can we as parents walk alongside, encourage, can I as an advisor walk alongside, encourage, uh, as a counselor, do the same? Um, Not trying to talk them out of feeling those ways that they feel, not trying to, you know, uh, just kind of gloss over, oh, it's going to be okay. Um, No, but really respecting those feelings, validating also at the same time knowing they're going to have to kind of go through those uh, those life-changing moments much as you and I have done and still have to do in in our lifetime one of the first years here at Wake Forest this uh, this week I was talking with her and really like you know so many young people as you were just referencing your niece and nephew so smart and really wanting to acclimate here and do well and she's missing home Um, and I said to her I said you know you're not the first person and you're not (laughs) the only one here who is homesick but she did she had some of the pressure and does still I saw her today and she said "Um, I didn't cry last night (laughs) and um, it's not that crying is bad but it's kind of related to that as you're crying and really working through those emotions are you also uh, giving yourself a chance to you know go through these hard times and build some confidence just moment to moment day to day and she was talking about her mom and how supportive her mom is of her and that was some of our brainstorming earlier this week of what's going to be the plan given that mom and she are close in healthy ways that mom can support her and she can find this student now can find that balance of finding my way and allowing my mom's support at the same time. So I was so stoked for her that she's got that sort of uh, relationship with her mom and um, she's supported, but she's also being given chances to kind of find her own way as well. I always put it this way, and I, I've heard this, I don't, I've probably heard it in one of my psych courses over the years, but uh, the job of a parent is to work yourself out of a job. And that doesn't mean that you're, you'll always be the parent, but if, you know, if your kid's 38 and is acting like an 18-year-old or an 8-year-old because you haven't done your job to equip them with the belief in themselves and the confidence, then I would argue that you didn't do such a great job. And so, but it's that tension, like you're saying, between, okay, I'm launching my kid, but I I still want to be here. I still want to be the safety net. If they take a risk and they fall, I still want to be the safety net, of course. But at the same time, not hovering so much. Of course, the helicopter parent comes to mind here, but hovering so much that then it accidentally 
with all your best intentions, you're actually communicating to your kid that you don't believe they have what it takes. That is a rub. And, uh, you know, related to that would be, I need you to need me. And mm-hmm. well, you know, parents, we don't we don't need them to need us. They, Our kids naturally need us. We naturally need them. We are a family system, a family unit. Yeah. And as we kind of grow together over the years and we evolve together, we, we realize um, where I end and where you start. Right. We work those things out. And um, but we we don't need them to need us. Not like that because they're, they're going to need us. Uh, Mom, dad, you're listening. You're thinking, uh, but. I'm going to be so sad when they don't need me anymore. They're just going to need you in a different way. Mm. I tell people right now, my show would not go on without my mom. Uh, let me just give a little, little shout out to my mom, Sandra. Um, you know, <laughs> my show wouldn't go on. And, and she is, I guess as the young people, Karen would say, she's my girl, you know. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I would argue that she's able to be your girl because now you have the the freedom to have a true adult adult relationship you had the mother daughter for so long and then the 20s it starts to make that transition and now because she's allowed you to grow up and be Shannon now she has the joy of enjoying your friendship truly as an adult mother to adult daughter whereas if you're not if you don't take that you shove that baby out of the nest then you don't get the the beauty of becoming true friends you're still in that need-based mode for the relationship and that's unfortunate that's right Hi, this is Damia Jackson. I am an avid listener of Dr. Karen's Love and Life podcast. It empowers, educates, and informs me to make better decisions in my life. I am happy that this resource is available to me. Another chapter I'd like to to dig into a little bit is a chapter that maybe some parents would find a little surprising. You have an entire chapter devoted to marriage, and you call it Marriages Do Not Thrive on Autopilot. And so what's going on? It's interesting because, again, like maybe someone would think, why are we talking about the marriage? We're talking about parenting. And, of course, you were mentioning family systems, and that's my background as well. Of course, we look at the parental subsystem and then the marital subsystem. And in many families, those are the exact same people, right? So it it can get a little, talking about boundaries again, it can get a little confusing. Am I in mom mode or wife mode? And yet I'm the same person juggling both roles. And so your your concern from the chapter is that sometimes in the efforts to be the best parent, we can maybe put our marriage hoping that it'll just like check it into autopilot and I'll check back with you in 18 years and see how you're doing. Right. And so, yeah, elaborate a little bit on that for our listeners, please. I have heard it from so many people. When we had children, I fell to the bottom of the list. Our relationship fell to the bottom of the list. Uh, we were no longer able. To, we didn't have time. We didn't prioritize. Um, and, and then what already happens for us in our marriages is just kind of natural marital drift is exacerbated because of more attention given to all of the child raising you know, the parenting matters that, that we're tending to. And so Gary and I talk a lot about being intentional, dating, flirting, um, of course, speaking the love languages, right? Just trying to right. keep that love fresh, keep that relationship fresh, prioritize it, um, really, you know, kind of fight that marital drift, fight that pull um, where so much of your energy is going to parenting and so little going to the relationship. Really, really be intentional about pushing back against that. And and I think sometimes mothers in particular, and I'll pick on moms just because I've seen that uh, more so, and I'm not sure what the literature says, but it just seems like moms, maybe because they have the, the bulk of the child rearing 
duties in most typical homes. It's just easier to love their kids. It's easier, and, it, and the kids are very needy, and they're in their face, right? And they're, I need this and that, whereas the husbands, were hoping a mature adult who's not going to be whining and saying, I need, I need, I need, but he still needs, <laughs> and he mm-hmm. may not articulate it. And I think sometimes women make the mistake of thinking, well, I'm being the best mom possible because I'm putting my kids first. And really, I would argue, again, based on family systems and based on just what we see when marriages do suffer because they're in on autopilot, that putting your husband first is actually being a better mother than putting mm. your kid first. But that can take a little minute to for some women to wrap their mind around. It can. I t- totally agree with what you're saying. I've heard many um, older women, longer time married women um, and people in general who will say it was easier. Mm-hmm just to write, just to mm-hmm. handle the to-do list. And, and my husband, you know, I knew we were good or, or, or my, my spouse, my wife, we, we, I knew we were good. And yet there was no real mutual agreement right. around that. And, like, and right, we, we weren't good. <laughs> For sure. I, I remember something that I, I don't know why, but obviously it really impacted me when I was, I don't know, maybe like 12 or 13. I started babysitting this little girl in our neighborhood. And she was nine months old when I started babysitting her. And then I babysat her throughout high school. And it was once a week, every week, they would have a date night. And I remember Uh, one time telling my mom, I was like, mom, Lauren is a little bitty baby and they go out once a week. I mean, that's Mm. really not very good parenting. And my mom goes, oh, no, that's really good. (laughs) My mom goes, oh, no, that's very good parenting. She explained to me why that was good, why that was good. That was helping Lauren. That's right. Date night and um, and little getaways, right? And I'm telling you, you have to be really creative, you know, because it's hard to find good sitters. It's, It's sometimes very expensive. And I appreciate you're not assuming that everyone who's reading your book has unlimited funds and unlimited resources and unlimited time. You're really trying to give them practical tips for how to manage their time and really set their priorities straight and do the best parenting they can do. And so I appreciate your thoughts and your words and your encouragement uh, to my listeners. So again, thanks for your time. And um, also, where can uh, folks buy the book if they'd like to? And where can they follow you on social media and so forth? Okay, great. Yeah. So the book, again, is Things I Wish I'd Known Before We Became Parents. Um, It's out of Moody Publishing, an imprint of theirs. It's Northfield. And um, folks can get that on Amazon um, and most any of the uh, online bookstores and um, several of the land-based bookstores as well. But um, people can read more about me uh, through shannonwarden.com. That's my website. And on social media, it's Dr. Shannon Warden. Um, So I'm on Facebook and Twitter. Um, Do some Instagram too. So yeah, I'm, you know, same as you. I just, I love connecting with folks and um, I have a busy plate. Uh, I guess that's a mixed metaphor, a busy schedule, (laughs) a full plate. Right. (laughs) Um, You're right. Same as, same as most everybody, but um, you know, I definitely like connecting with folks so they can find me at Dr. Shannon Warden or at shannonwarden.com. Wonderful. Thanks again for coming on the program today, Shannon. Karen, thank you. So the love and life hack for this week is the number one job of a parent is to love your spouse. Dr. Warden cautions parents not to put their marriages on autopilot. Remember moms, the most loving thing you can do for your children is to be a good wife to their father. And dads, The most loving thing you can do for your children is to be a good husband to their mother. 
You can find me at my website, www.drkaren.me, and that's Dr. Karen, D-R-K-A-R-I-N dot me. On Twitter, I'm at Dr. Karen Anderson. Facebook, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Instagram, I'm at Dr. Karen. And I'd love to hear from you. You can email me your story or ask me a question at karen at drkaren.me. Thank you so much for subscribing and liking the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. We're also on Stitcher and Spreaker at Dr. Karen Love and Life. If you head over to my website, please sign up for my Love and Life newsletter. I send out one or two emails a month, just letting you know what we're covering on the podcast, what I'm blogging about, and any appearances I might be making. Please let me know if you have any topics you'd like me to address on the program. I want this to be your show as much as it is mine. Thanks to my producer, Michelle Musso, my communications manager, Dale Gregory, and my booking assistant, Christine Infanger. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. This is Dr. Karen Anderson-Abril. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, make it a great week.